Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. So we've been talking about grace. The meaning of the word grace is what? <laughs> say it. It's okay. Say it. Gift. It's what it means. Charis. It's a gift. You know what I know about a gift? You don't earn it. Wouldn't be a gift if you earned it. It is a gift. And God has given us amazing grace. So what is it that's so amazing about it? It's what made every one of us. It's what created this morning. It's what the sunrise, the cool air. I mean, my goodness, can we give him praise for a beautiful day in Central Florida? It's all grace. It's God's gift. And grace saves us. And grace liberates us. But also grace works. And that's where we are today. That's what we want to talk about. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, one of the letters of Paul, uh, by the way, written from a prison. And it is a letter about this amazing thing called grace. Now, you're probably looking at my tree up here and wondering, um, I wonder what that's about. Well, that's you. And that's me. In fact, that's all of us. There's a picture of grace and what grace does in this tree. And plus, it was in my office and I wanted to get rid of it. So I just brought it down here and thought, hey, it'll just stay here for the rest of its life. It's fake. Trust me. Okay. Grace. I want you to write these three things down. Very simple. Grace does something to us. Grace does something between us. And grace does something through us. Okay? If you can remember those three big ideas, grace does something to us. Grace does something between us. And grace does something through us. And I'm of the opinion, if grace doesn't work at home, it doesn't work anywhere. If grace doesn't work where you work, doesn't work anywhere. Grace works everywhere. And so as, he, as we start looking at chapter 2, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, we're going to start about verse 4, but, but I want to kind of set it up for you because uh, a lot of verses, but just get your Bible open or turn on the phone or get an iPad or something or on the computer, however, what's the easiest way for you to do it, and follow along. As I look at this tree, there's something that feeds that tree. There's something that makes that tree alive and brings resources into that tree. I believe that is the mercy and the love of God. The mercy and the love of God. Now let me show you in the text. Chapter 2 of Ephesians is really about how we live in a messed up world and we're messed up. I mean, it's just the truth. We live in a messed up world. And we're messed up. In fact, it calls us enemies of God. It calls us 
strangers without a home. I mean, it, it's a description of every one of us. Then comes one of the greatest phrases in the New Testament. And you can say it with me if you know it, but God. So say that, but God. Here's what goes in front of that. My life was messed up. I was a total wreck and I was lost, but God. I didn't know what to do next. I was losing my marriage. I was losing my job. I was losing my mind, but God. And you put your story in front of that and then read it, but God. And that's where grace starts. And so verse 4, chapter 2, what does he say? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So I think grace is the trunk of the tree. It comes from the mercy of God. That's why we have grace. That's why God gave us a gift. He didn't give us a gift because you are just nice people and I'm just a wonderful guy and God wanted to give us a gift. No, we don't deserve a gift. We didn't earn that gift. He gave that gift of us to us. That's why it's called grace. And so literally, what caused him, what moved him? His own mercy. Mercy. I know it's an old story, but it's like the woman who went and had her picture made. And man, when she saw the results, she told the photographer, she said, this is, this is ridiculous. This does not do me justice. He said, ma'am, you don't need justice. You need mercy. So what every one of us experienced was mercy. Not justice, mercy. Because why? We were messed up. We were dead in trespasses and sin. Now, let me explain that. That basically means spiritually there was no life. There was nothing good in us. Spiritually, we were dead. I've done a lot of funerals in my 45 years. I've yet to see the dead do anything at the funeral. I haven't seen it yet. I'm not saying it can't happen. If it does, I'll be out. I'm out. I'm gone. <laughs> but seriously... What do dead people do? Nothing. That's all of us before Christ. So can I just beg you to be gentle with a lost world that's acting like idiots? They're dead. We expect dead people to act alive. They can't act alive. That's why the message that we have here, and that's why the hope that we have is to introduce them to this beautiful thing called grace and mercy and love of God. They can't do anything other than live like a dead person. Why? Because they are dead. But then when Jesus comes, but God, something changes. And what changes is he saves them. So go to the next phrase. By grace you have been saved. And verse 6, raised up with him and seated. He seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You know why he doesn't show us now? We couldn't comprehend it now. There's so much to his goodness and so much to his grace. It's going to take eternity to show us everything. Then comes 
one of the greatest verses ever. So let me just start this way. Grace does something to us. It saves us. Okay? It saves us. It happens the moment you believe. And watch the way he describes it. He doesn't say anything about a church. He doesn't say anything about a preacher or a priest or a pope or anything. He says it is nothing but the gift of God. Verse 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Thank you for the gift. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. What that just told me is, there is one reason that I am a Christian today. It is because God, in his mercy and love, gave me a gift and by faith, I received it, and it changed my life. That's why I'm a Christian. That's why you are a Christian. It isn't because I deserved it. It isn't because I earned it. And by the way, be careful with this. Lest any of us should boast. You know what that means? You're not better than somebody else. You're not better than anybody else. You're not better than the... Listen. You pick the worst reprobate you know. You pick the person who is so messed up in sin, and I promise you, you're not better than they are. You see, we don't boast in our salvation. We boast in the one who saved us. The boasting, as Paul said, is in Jesus, not us. And so he says, grace first does something to you. It saves you. And, and, and as it does something to you, you know what happens? Read verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When he saves us, he makes us his masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. I know you don't think it. I know your friends on social media don't think it. You're a masterpiece. I believe that with all my heart. And it happened the day Jesus walked in your life. He reclaimed you for his own and he made you a masterpiece. We just got to get that in our head. The word there, the Greek word is literally the word from which we get poem. The word poem, the word is poema in the Greek. Well, what does that mean? I just think you're a beautiful song that he wrote for himself. I just think you're a masterpiece. I think you're, you're a, a beautiful piece of art. However you want to see masterpiece, that's who you are because of grace. Now, he also said, I have prepared things for you to do. Good works. There are good works which he has prepared for us to do. Now, now in this interesting, good works follow salvation. They don't lead to it. Good works happen after grace saves us. Not before it. I hear people all the time saying, well, I'm trying my best. I hope I go to heaven. I've done a lot of good things. Well, sorry, you ain't going to heaven if that's what you count on. What I want you to know is good works comes after the moment of salvation. That's when you do those good works. That's when you are his masterpiece. That's when he's got them all laid out. And by the way, these are works he has prepared for you. They're just for you. I mean, it's like he knows you. Imagine that. The one who created every cell in your body knows you. 
and he has something for you to do. I, uh, how many of you ever get a to-do list, a honey-do list? It, guys, come on. It's all right. Raise your hand. It's okay. We don't think less of you. We have some men's classes we want you to be a part of, and basically, no, I'm not about to mess with that because we all get them. That's, there's nothing wrong with a to-do list. You know what it tells me, though, when I get one from Rachel? It tells me two things. Number one, I better get them done. <laughs> That's simple. Number two, she's been thinking about this. I find notes. I mean, I find notes on her little desk in the kitchen, and it'll be a list of things. It's like she's been thinking about it. It wasn't spontaneous, just on the spur. Oh, yeah, why don't you just go and change the oil in the car? No. Very deliberate. Did you know that God, before you were ever born, already had the list for you? He already had the list for you. Come on, let's give him praise. He already knew what you need to do and I need to do. You didn't stumble into it. No, he prepared them beforehand. He knows what he wants you to do. And the first thing that has to happen is grace does something to you. It saves you. So now we're growing. Now grace does something between us. The next few verses can get a little complicated if you, if, you, if you read through it without knowing the context. Let me give you the context. What Paul is trying to say to them is that when grace came in our life, um, it made us one with one another. It reconciles us to one another. He picked two of the most dissentious groups. I mean, he picked two who were absolutely on opposite sides, the Jews and the Gentiles. And so he starts in verse 11 by saying that, hey, Jew and Gentile, he brought you together. He made you one. I mean, that's like saying he brought Democrats and Republicans together. How in the world could that happen? How could that happen? He brought the two together. Gators and Seminoles. How does he do that? It's called grace. And I want you to notice verse 14, because this is where it really gets to the heart of it, or, or 13 actually. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, that would be the Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now watch this. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. So to Gentiles and Jews, he preached peace. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. So the second thing grace does is it does something between us. 
it reconciles us. And he uses Jew and Gentile because it was such an obvious division. And he basically says, both of you, when Jesus died on the cross, he died to bring you close to himself. And by bringing him close to himself, he brings you close together. Does this apply to anything other than just my spiritual life? Absolutely it does. Do you realize, I did, I did, I've done several weddings lately, and for some reason I found myself saying this. When you are close to Jesus, you're going to be closer to one another. When you walk close to Jesus, you're going to be closer to one another. Why is that? Well, it's, number one, it's geometry. You got one common point and two points out here, and they're moving toward the one common. Guess what's happening to the distance between them? Well, they're getting closer. But I believe Jesus wants to bring together people. He wants to do something between us where there's division. In fact, let me show you what else Paul said. This is Colossians 1.20. And through him, meaning Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You know what that tells me? When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just about him bringing me to the Father or you to the Father. It was about him bringing me closer to you. Closer to you. So that now grace is doing something between us. What's it doing? It's bringing us together. Just like this trunk. It's a singular trunk. And it comes up and they're all joined right here. We are one in Jesus Christ. There's no male, no female, no east, no west, no Greek, no Jew, no slave, no free. We are one in Jesus Christ. Can we give God praise for that? Just thank him. We're one. And he brings peace. Yeah, I know some we could put together and make them come together, but there wouldn't be much peace. Yes, there is. He brings peace. He himself is the peace. And he gives that peace to us so that we can come together in peace. Paul loved the word peace. He used it 43 times in his letters. Eight times in the book we're looking at, Ephesians. And peace only comes from one thing, the presence of the Prince of Peace. So you see, in every relationship... There can be peace. How's your marriage going? Would you, would you describe it as peace? Would you describe it as a place of peace? How's your relationship with your children or with your parents? How's your relationship at work? You say, well, they're, they're not like me, and they, they differ with me, and they're all kinds. Okay, let me show you what else he said. He tore down the walls that divide us. In his flesh, in his death, Paul just said, he tore down the walls that divide us. Name a wall that divides you in your marriage. Just pick one. Jesus died to tear that wall down. Because he wants to make you one. He wants to bring you together. Name a wall that divides you with your neighbors. You say, well, it's actually a, a line, a property line. <laughs> Well, Jesus died to tear down the wall of attitudes and selfishness. There is nothing in this world. This is the message our nation desperately needs to hear. There is nothing in the United States. I don't care if it's the vax or anti-vax, the mask or anti-vax. 
I am not a doctor. I'm an ambassador for Christ who is the Prince of Peace. He can bring peace. He can bring two together. But we allow things to separate. We allow things to divide. But his death on the cross did something. It made us one. Not just with him, but with one another. So I want you to think about what's dividing you at home. What's dividing you at school? And I'm not talking about the things that, you know, are simple things like, well, I cheer for this team and they cheer for that. That's just, hey, I wouldn't call those divisions. Those are just preferences that are different. But can you think of something that's truly dividing you? Can you think of something that is truly causing hostility in your home? Well, I can tell you, Jesus died on the cross to take care of that. And the less we give him that opportunity, the less we offer that to him is the more we try to deny the work of Jesus on the cross. God help us. His blood covers everything. He is reconciling everything to himself and reconciling everything together. So grace does something between us. It brings us together and it does something through us. So what does it do through us? Makes us a part of the body of Christ. The tree. We now are a part of the body of Christ. Now follow this. It all started with his mercy, his love for us. Through that love and mercy, he gave us grace. Grace saves us and joins us to one another. Now, there's this beautiful picture of the body of Christ. Go back to the text with me and read verse 20. And following, built on, and household of God is the phrase right before verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his Spirit. I think God is building his family. I think grace is extended through us to one another. And he is building the family. He's building the house. This is the house grace built. And this is a church. You have a place. You have a part. That's a process. Why? Because grace does something through us. It helps us serve one another. And now you're looking at this and going, but, but it looks like that we're divided and we, well, of course we have different responsibilities. We have different personalities. We have different gifts. But for me to say that grace unites us does not bother me at all when we're different. Because my definition of unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean we all have to think the same way. We all have to dress the same way. We all have to speak the same way. We have to live in the same place. No, 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 no. It's the opposite of that. That's what's so powerful about grace is that it brings us together and joins us around what really matters. And then the expression that we have, that's something God has given us, and it's diverse. I mean, you think about all the things that we do differently. Have you ever looked at somebody and said, well, you know, you're, not, you're doing that wrong. As churches, as pastors, that was, Danny mentioned, and we were just at a convention this week with all the churches in Florida, and I, I got to looking at it. There were so many different churches represented, and I promise you, not a single church in all the churches in Florida do it the way we do it. So does that mean we're right and they're wrong? Nope. 
Well, are they right and we're wrong? Nope. You see, there's a beautiful thing called diversity in the body of Christ. We look different. We think different. We express ourselves different according to the gifting of the Spirit in us. And therefore, when it all works together, it is a beautiful expression of one God who has given us grace in Jesus' name. What is the one thing that joins us together? What's the one common thing? I started to say common core. Excuse me. The one common thing that we share together. I'll show you what it is. On the count of three, I want you to tell me the neighborhood you live in. One, two, three. Okay. I'm going to do it one more time. I want you to shout it out. On the count of three. One, two, three. The neighborhood you live in. I, I really couldn't understand a single thing you said. Now let's try something else. I want you to give me the name of the town you grew up in. Okay. On the count of three. One, two, three. Still can't understand a thing you said. So obviously what joins us together is not where we grew up. And it's not the neighborhood we live in. Watch this. On the count of three, I want you to shout the name of the one who died for you on the cross. One, two, three. Jesus. I heard it. Beautiful. That's what brings us together. That's what unifies the body. That we have the same source of life. The same source of life of strength. It's Jesus. And then we get to be ourselves in the body. So let me ask you, is there any evidence of his grace in your life right now? Has he saved you? Have you given your life to Christ? If you know for sure you've given your life, well, if you know for sure, then grace changed your life. So is there peace in your life? Is there peace? Would you describe your family as a family of peace? Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, I mean, we all love Jesus, but we fight a lot. It's okay. That's what happened in the Bible. Jesus stood up in the middle of a storm and said, peace, be still, and it was calm. Jesus came to bring peace. And if you could accomplish it on your own, you don't need him. He's just there to help you navigate those difficult days as a family and in relationships. So do you have peace? And peace doesn't mean everything's working out. doesn't mean everything's going the way you want it to. It just means deep down inside, you know, Jesus has got this. How about this? Are you experiencing unity with others? Are you overly critical and always pointing out the differences in other people than you? And trying to divide and trying to, to separate, knowing that Jesus brought us together through his death on the cross. But we like to divide. Are you living a unified, peaceful life. And how about this? Have you found your place in the body of Christ? I mean, Scripture says he's building it. And we're all apart. We all have different gifts. We all got different expressions. But hey, he's putting it together and he's building this beautiful house on grace. Have you found your place? Let me show you something. If you're out here sitting here or you're streaming this, watching this, 
and you go, you know, I, I'm, I don't really need church. Um, I just try to live out my life and try to serve God and do the best I can on my own. Okay. If I take one of these leaves, don't need that. We don't need a bunch of other people. I'm just going to live it on my own. How long are those leaves going to last? You come back later, they're going to be shriveled up, right? So are you. Jesus said, I'm the vine. We're the branches. And I think he spoke that the night before he died to try to tell his disciples, you need me, guys, and you need each other. So I want to encourage you, find your place in the body of Christ. Find a place where you can serve, where you can be a part. Find a place where there's peace. I've always said when people ask me, so how do you know Jesus is in something? Is there peace? Because wherever Jesus is, there's peace. Doesn't mean it all looks good and works great. No, it just means that you know he's in control and he is working through it all. So I want us to bow together for just a moment. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in him today? Would you be willing to say, you know what? I, my life has been a mess, but but God, you love me. You're rich in mercy and love. So God, today I need you. You're streaming this. You can, you can easily reach out to us by texting the word CONNECT to 40777. You're in the room. You can do that as well. But we want to talk to you. We want to encourage you. Because that's the first thing grace does. It saves us. And then you'll see grace begin to do something between you and others. All of a sudden there's peace. There's unity. Is that the case in your life? Are you easy to get along with? Doesn't mean you don't have opinions. Doesn't mean that you don't believe certain things. But are you easy to get along with? Have you learned how to disagree in love? And then are you using the gifts he gave you to bless the body, to be a part of the body of Christ? These are questions only you can answer. But we want to help you. Father, I thank you so much that you gave us this beautiful gift called grace. And you gave it not because we deserved it, but because you're rich in mercy and love. And I thank you, Lord, that today we come together. And I pray that it's not just in a building. We are together. In spirit, we are together because we share the same Savior, the same grace that changed our life. Thank you, Lord, for now making us the body of Christ. May we be a beautiful picture to the world, a beautiful example to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. So before you leave today, we've got folks at Welcome Centers A and B. Go by and have a conversation with them. Maybe it's something that you just need prayer about. Maybe you don't have peace in your home. I mean, there's a lot of us. We've seen that journey. We've watched that. We've walked through it. Just need somebody to pray with you today. We would be glad to do that or even how to have that personal relationship with Jesus. So what do we, uh, how do you end a service when you've talked about what's so amazing about grace? Well, what's so amazing about grace is it works. 
It works everywhere. It brings peace at home. It brings peace everywhere. I just think we got to sing an old hymn. Some call it the national anthem of heaven. It's amazing grace. And I pray we will forever be lost in the wonder of his grace. Because there's nothing about the gift of grace that we earned or deserved. It's just amazing that out of his mercy and love, he would give that to us. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.